Hello again, well, you do want to welcome you back to the Academy podcast brought to you by the Online Academy of Biblical Studies and Bible Way Media. With me today is Brother Mike McDaniel, one of our instructors here uh, with the Online Academy of Biblical Studies. And so we want to welcome you, Brother McDaniel. Thank you for being here with us this afternoon. Thank you. It's good to be with you. Uh, as we've been doing in, in the past, with our instructors, we've been asking a few questions, kind of a get to know you session. And then uh, as we were talking before, uh, you've been involved in a lot of different works. And uh, so we definitely want to talk about those as well. Uh, but we want to start, and I always approach these with, you know, these may be things that I know, but others may not. So I want to begin by asking uh, the simple question here is, why did you get into preaching? I was part of a young men's training class when I was a teenager. I preached my first sermon at 15 years old. Um, starting out, we would have two or three that would all speak, and we would each take segments, let's say of a lesson. Uh, I think... Uh, I can remember doing like Abraham's offering of Isaac on the altar. Uh was probably the earliest thing that I did. We each did a segment, maybe three of us, and by the time all three of us spoke, maybe we had enough for a whole sermon. You know, it was just very little starting out. And then, uh, then two of us would go, and then finally as we developed, you know, one of us would go and maybe speak for 20 minutes. So, um, from those experiences, I enjoyed preaching, and uh, I knew knew several preachers. Um, my uh, my family respected preachers. We had them in our home for meals during uh, gospel meetings. Um, my father was in charge of the. Gibson County, Tennessee singing. So we would go to different congregations on Sunday afternoons to sing. And uh, I knew quite a few preachers, but anyway, I developed a, a love for preaching. And uh, so when I graduated from high school, I made plans to uh, attend the Memphis School of Preaching. I had uh, met Brother Curtis Cates he did a youth devotional. We had a youth, uh, a youth devotional that went around to different congregations all through the summers in West Tennessee. And he spoke in Bells, Tennessee. I went to hear him and told him of my desire to attend the school. Uh, my parents and I went to visit Brother Cates and Brother Hearn. Brother Hearn was still there then. He was no longer director, but uh, he was still teaching. That would have been in 1983 when I graduated from high school and went there, visited them, decided to attend, and I went in the fall of 1983. And then in 83 through 85, I preached by appointment, uh, mostly in West Tennessee and also in Arkansas and some in Missouri but mostly in those three states, not every Sunday, but quite a few Sundays. And uh, I graduated from the School of Preaching in 
1985. I, uh, so I've been preaching full time since 1985. Okay. And now where are you you preaching at now? I'm preaching in Carothersville, Missouri. This is my fourth local work. I've been blessed that I have not had to move very much. I lived at home uh, my first five and a half years and preached the Lakeview Church of Christ in Sandburg, Tennessee. I met my wife there. And three weeks before we were married, the 1st of November, I moved to Dunmore, Kentucky. And then we were married November the 17th, and then she joined me there. I preached there only a year because the area was depressed, became depressed, coal mine shut down, uh, Logan Aluminum laid off, several of the members had to leave, move to find work. So then I moved to Greenfield, Tennessee, in Weekly County, Tennessee, and I was there for nearly eight years. And then in August of 1999, I moved here to Crothersville, Missouri. So I've been here for 23 years. Wow. Now, when did you start with OABS? I'm going to put these two questions together. When did you start with OABS, and when did you want to teach with OABS? Okay. Well, uh, I was there at the, I guess, original Brotherhood meeting. Um, And I think that was in 1999. And I'm not positive if I had already left Greenfield and come to Carothersville or if this is before I came. Brother Bright came to Dyersburg, to Phillips Street, in early 1999. And it was in that year that there began to be phone conversations about starting OABS between Gil Yoder, Ron Cosby, uh, Ted Thrasher, Tom Bright, and the interesting thing to me about them was they had all of this uh, technological education that was very unusual for preachers of the gospel to have. Uh, They they had taken courses. They were Microsoft engineers. Tom Bright was a Microsoft engineer. A lot of people didn't know that, but he was. And uh, and then Gil Yoder was working for um, Chevron, I think. Texaco down in Texas uh, at a very high level. And so they had all of this uh, education and they were really wanting to put the internet to to good use. And uh, listen, at, at that time, and I know, and I had friends that were taking them, there were colleges that were doing courses, but they were using videotapes that's that's that was the the method at the time they would send videotapes in the mail and then you would watch them in your office that's that's how education was going on uh outside the classroom so 
the idea of OABS was unique. Uh, it was really cutting edge technology at the time. And I don't know of a single university that was using it. They really uh, developed the idea that we were on the ground floor of something. And so they had a meeting at Shoney's in Martin, Tennessee. And several of us went and they began to explain things to us and describe it to us. And uh, it was so exciting at that time. The church in Dyersburg, Phillip Street, took out a loan, got the loan. They began to gather the equipment necessary, set up classrooms. And about, I think it was 2000 that everything began to be authorized. So we had one year of classes. And during the first year, Brother Bright asked to meet me at Los Vertalis in Dyersburg. I didn't know what it was about. And he began to quiz me concerning what books I like to teach. And I mentioned Hebrews. I've always loved the book of Hebrews, and I had taught it multiple times. And that's when he invited me to teach for OABS. And so I taught starting January of 2002. That I taught Hebrews starting January 2002. Now, I'm either the longest tenured teacher for OABS or else I'm tied with Tony Smith. Okay, as far as I can tell. And I th Chuck Northrup is in there around that time too, I think. Although Chuck thinks that I'm, I noticed where Chuck said he thought I was the longest tenured person. So I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know. But I have taught Hebrews continuously every year for OABS since 2002, every year. And uh, I, I tell people how much things have changed. When I first started, I drove to Dyersburg. We had two classrooms set up. One was in Tom Bright's office. The other classroom was upstairs, high in the air, overlooking the auditorium. And this is where a camera was set up to record their services. And it'd be quite warm up there. And Victor Eskew would teach from uh, 9 to 11. And then he would walk down the stairs and I would walk up. We would meet one another say hello and then i would teach from 11 to 12 and then often tom and i would go out to eat and so that's how things started then i don't remember what year it was but he came to me and said mike we're going to set up a classroom in your office so that you don't have to drive to dyersburg anymore and so uh, I got the desk that I'm sitting behind right now, a smaller media desk, I call it. 
We had Sony cameras on tripods. Had a big old lamp that we shined up uh, to light me up, light up my bald head. Then I had a, a, a regular Shure microphone on a boom stand that swung around to me. And I can I can pull it, of course, podcast users won't be able to see it, so I won't. But still behind me, on wire, attached to this bookcase, is a huge black felt curtain, which we were using at the time. And I can I can reach over here and grab it just so you can hear it is. And Tom had this in his office and he made this for me. And that thing slides directly behind me. So if I want an all black background behind me, I have it. And for many years, that's that's the way I taught with this solid black background. I did teach a second course. I taught uh, New Testament church in the fall of the year from... 2007 until 2009. But what happened was I was, uh, I had been president of the Mexico Preaching Alumni Association before that. And then in 2009, they asked me to start teaching part-time for the school and to serve as alumni liaison and so when I started doing that and started teaching homiletics in the fall of that year and was driving back and forth to Memphis, something had to give. And so I uh, stepped down from the New Testament church course in 2009, but held on to Hebrews. And as I said, I've had it ever since. So that tells you a little something. I will say that we we were blessed when when the school started over here in West Tennessee to have so many good men that were willing to be teachers and uh, a number of these men taught for many many years Larry Powers in Sharon Tennessee uh Lee Davis was also at Sharon for a while. And then he taught as a missionary in Singapore and would get up at what, one in the morning or two in the morning and teach his class over there. And he was teaching maybe Isaiah. He had a, he had a several hour class that he would get up in the middle of the night, according to our time and teach from Singapore. Um, and then Tony Smith from Dyersburg, myself, Tom Bright, Victor Eskew would drive from uh, Brooklyn, Arkansas to teach. And then Brother Robert Taylor. Robert drove to Dyersburg to teach for many years until Brother Bright died. Brother Bright, I think, died in 2011. And uh, at that point, uh, the school the overseeing congregation, you know, moved to where it is now, to Chipman Road and Lee Summit. 
And so uh, Brother Taylor then began to drive uh, all the way to my place because I had the only remaining classroom near him. So that was, that was fun for me. Uh, Brother Taylor would come over on Saturday mornings and I would be his tech guy. <laughs> and so uh, he would teach his class. He would teach survey of the New Testament. And he had many students. That was a first year class. A lot of people took his class and he would teach from nine to 11. And then I would teach my class on Hebrews from 11 to 12, and I would take care of, of sending out his test to his students by email. I would be his secretary or amanuensis and take care of all those matters for him. And I'm not sure how many years we did that. I've got some of his classes archived too on uh, still on, on my on my computer. I, I know I do from 2016, but we did that for a number of years till he could no longer do it anymore. But those were, those were fun days. And I, I listened to him teach so much that I could almost teach his class. Uh, I would remember, you know, and he would, he had the style of, he would go through the new Testament. Okay. And do his survey. Then he would come back around and actually, I, he did the whole Bible. Actually, it was a survey of the Bible, I think. He would come back around and come back through again. And then he would come back around and come through a third time. And each time he would go through, he would add additional information. That's what it was. <laughs> it was the most unusual way to teach. But, of course, enjoyed it and loved Brother Taylor uh, very much. Yeah, we have uh, gone back and archived a lot of those uh well, all those lessons, Taylor, the Taylors and others who, who uh, haven't, you know, haven't been teaching with us for a while for various reasons. And it's nice to go back and see some of those guys uh, on those videos teaching, uh, you know, brother, brother Tom and brother Taylor and others, you know, now I think about guys like uh, brother Charles Coates and uh, Larry Arbor and seeing those guys. And so it's nice that we have kept those. Uh, we were doing some, some uh, backing up uh, earlier this year or last year, I should say. And so we backed up all those files and did some converting. So make it easier to view later and seeing some of those guys, it was good to, to remember how many of those guys have been teaching, you know, I've taught and I've taught for so long, did teach for so long. And so, and you being one of them, I know, um, I don't remember Tony said he started in 2001 or 2002. I know he's back there close to you as well. And right. then Chuck, um, I'm not sure either, but um, I know you said you have been involved in some other works as well, and you've been teaching for some other schools. And so uh, you want to tell us about some of that before we get into our Bible study? Well, as I said, I, I teach also from the School of Preaching, and um, uh, I'm blessed. I have been blessed for ever since I started. When I first started teaching for the School of Preaching, uh, and I was, I was driving back and forth. It's, it's about an hour and 50 minutes to a two hour drive for me, one way to drive to Memphis. And, uh, so brother Thrasher allowed me to use OABS software to 
uh, teach my Memphis classes. We set up a Memphis classroom that's a private classroom where only myself and my students can enter. And uh, that is how I utilize that to teach my classes. And right now I'm teaching in what's called the World Missions Program, which uh, is a program designed specifically for missionaries. You don't have to you don't have to attend the Memphis School of Preaching or be a graduate of the school in order to be involved in the World Missions Program. We have, we just had a graduate from Southwest uh, who came and we've had, we've had people from uh, North Carolina School of Preaching out there, other places that have come. And it's a one year uh, course of work. And for that, I have four courses that I teach. I teach, uh, cultural preparation for missions. I teach uh, principles of church leadership. And then I teach the history of Christian missionary efforts, one and two, which basically goes from the time of the apostles till today. And you're looking at church history, but from a missionary lens, which is, which is totally different from anything most people have studied. So I teach those four courses uh, for the School of Preaching, and uh, I also serve as alumni liaison uh, for the school. I, in fact, I've, I've started just in the last couple of days uh, beginning a newsletter. I'll do a couple of newsletters a year, uh, which I'll send out to all of our alumni. And so I, I enjoy that work very much. And then uh, one of the main works now in which I'm involved is I'm the moderator of a TV program, which the elders at Phillips Street oversee, called A Bible Answer. You can go to our website at www.abibleanswertv.org. We also have our own YouTube channel. All you have to do is look for A Bible Answer TV, and you'll find our YouTube channel. And this program is seen in a six-state region on local networks. It's also seen on the Gospel Broadcasting Network and uh, seen over the Internet. So we have a pretty wide coverage, and I literally receive questions from uh, people all over the world, including OABS students, uh, and I enjoy that work very much. I began that work with the help of Brother Dustin Fortin and Rick Lawson in uh, early 2004. So the first, first program aired the Sunday Memorial Day weekend in 2004. And come, come June... Someday in June, when I record, I'm going to record our 1,000th program of a Bible answer. So that'll be a significant milestone for us. Yeah, I, uh, <clears throat> I ran across that with uh, with OEBS, the, a Bible answer program uh, as well. And so that I, I remember hearing about that. And so definitely a good work and. Now, we have, uh, for the remainder of our time, 
which I don't have it, how long we've gone here. I think maybe about 10 more minutes, but uh, you brought up, you wanted to talk about uh, some, the idea of discussing uh, motivation for asking questions uh, from Mark chapter 12. And so I'm going to let, I'm going to turn it over to you and we can just discuss that for the next 10 minutes or so before we have to close out here. Well, when I, when I began the very first program of a Bible answer, I mentioned this passage in, in Mark 12, 28 to 34, and the scribe mentioned in those verses and the question that he, that he posed. Uh, verse 28, one of the scribes came and having heard them reasoning together and perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? And Matthew tells us he was a Pharisee and a, and a lawyer, which is another name for a scribe. The scribes were educated men who preserved, copied, and expounded the Jewish law. And he had heard the question of the Sadducees concerning the resurrection and the Lord's remarkable reply, and he was impressed. And he thought that Jesus had answered them well. And Matthew tells us that the Pharisees had gathered together and they would ask a, a, the Lord a question to tempt him. And it seems like the scribe volunteered to ask the question. You know, questions arise from different motivations. Some questions are asked from curiosity. That's like in Acts 17, when you have uh, the people there, they're talking to Paul on the Areopagus there in Athens, and, and uh, they said, may we know what this new doctrine whereof thou speakest is? Thou bringest strange things to our ears. And they want to know what those things meant. Well, that was, they asked from curiosity. Some questions are asked to criticize God and to criticize his word. And that's certainly the motivation of the devil in the Garden of Eden when he asked Eve in Genesis 3 and verse 1, has God indeed said ye shall not eat from every tree of the garden? You know, he's, he's trying to criticize God there. And then you have some questions that are asked to tempt us or uh, test us, and, and that's, that's the Pharisees. They would come to Jesus uh, tempting him, like in Matthew 9. Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? They were trying to uh, test the Lord. They wanted to get him to say something wrong. Or, or maybe get us to admit that we can't answer their question, you know. Then you have some questions that are asked uh, in order to, to, for a person to justify themselves. It's like Luke 10, 29, where it plainly says the lawyer willing to justify himself said unto Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Okay, he's trying to justify himself. But then you have those that sincerely want to know the truth. 
Take, for example, those on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. I mean, they're hungering and thirsting for righteousness. And they ask that famous question, men and brethren, what shall we do? Now, when I'm emailed a question or we have a question called in or we have one on the contact page on our website at www.abibleanswertv.org, I can I can read that question. And sometimes I can, from the gist of it, maybe decide what the motivation is. But you know, you and I are not Jesus. And uh, we can't always know for sure the motivation behind a question. We just got to be as well prepared as as we can be uh to to answer questions first uh, peter three fifteen be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear so sometimes when I get these questions, I thought, hmm, why did they ask that you know and uh, and sometimes we can be, I remember one time we had a question and before it was answered, the, the brother to whom I had assigned the question, he suggested a possible bad motivation for asking that question because it dealt with a brotherhood controversy from more than a dozen years ago, okay? And see, he sort of answered the question in that light. Well, the guy that asked the question got back to me after he heard the answer, and he he assured me that that question was sincere in its intent, and it was not in any way connected to what that preacher had in mind. And I don't think he knew one thing about that brotherhood controversy at all. <laughs> not one thing. So it just it just reminds us, you know, as as we as we answer questions, we have a a responsibility that we ought to feel deeply and and try to answer them in the best way that we can. Yeah, you know, when you think about you think about those questions, it's it's those sincere questions that we are always looking for, right? And sometimes it's hard to tell, um, especially when you get a letter or get a question in print, someone's motivation behind it. But there's so many of those out there today who definitely want, who definitely looking for sincere, uh, asking sincere questions, looking for honest, honest answers. But you know, to your point though, there's there's always a few. I think it's the few. I don't think it's the majority that sometimes have a. Uh, poor intentions when it comes to why they ask some of the things they ask. And I think at least in part, you know, some lessons for us today in, in that for us today is that when we ask, we need to make sure that we're asking questions with the proper motivation and the proper mindset behind it. Right. And I think there's no doubt from Matthew 22, 34, and 35 what the intent of the Pharisees were, right? They were trying to, to tempt the Lord. 
But this particular scribe who goes up and asks the question, and the question is, which is the first commandment of all? And this was kind of like a, this was a question that was like going around, okay? It was a, a, a the idea is, you, you ask Jesus this question, and then if Jesus names any command, well, then they can turn around and accuse him of, of belittling the other commands. It's, it's a setup kind of question. The Jews divided the commandments of their law into greater and lesser, and they were not agreed about it. And uh, to many of them, the matter of, of which command was the greatest was a, a very perplexing problem. You know, the Jewish Talmud, I don't know who counted them, but the Jewish Talmud said there were 613 commands. I don't know if that's true or not. That's that's the number they were told. But there were some thought that sacrificing and offering burnt offerings, well, that's the greatest command, you know. And then there are others, no, no, no. It's observing the Sabbath. That's the greatest command. And then some thought, no, no, it's not. It's circumcision. That's the greatest command. So the idea was, uh, you know, by some of them, well, let's select the greatest one and observe it, and then maybe we can forget about the others. <laughs> and, you know, we, we have that mentality today among some people, don't we? But, you know, that's wishful thinking. James 2.10, whosoever shall keep the whole law, and yet if any one point, he's guilty of all. But going back to the scribe, I find it interesting that Jesus answered the question. And Jesus did not always do that. There's about 103 separate questions supposedly asked of Christ in the Bible. And approximately one out of every four, the Lord answered by a question of his own. Answered a question with a question. And then at other times, he didn't give any answer. Like in Matthew 26, 62, and 63, he just, he just held his peace. So, we don't we don't often know the the character. Not only do we not know the motivation, we often don't know the the character of the person. But you know, the Bible answers us in the same spirit in which we approach it. For the Bible to answer our questions, we've got to come to it with a proper attitude. So it says something to me that, that Jesus did answer this man's question. You look at Matthew 12, 29, Jesus answered in the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And, of course, that's Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5. Here's our relationship with God and then our relationship to our fellow man. The second is likened to it, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none of the commandment greater than these, and that's from Leviticus 19 and 8. 
uh, there's a lesson for us there in that Jesus gave a Bible answer to a Bible question, didn't he? Yep. Quoted two passages of scripture. And there's really no improvement on, on that method. Uh, how can you give a Bible answer to a Bible question? First of all, you got to know the Bible, right? That's the only way you can give a Bible answer to a Bible question. There's a story about Brother G.C. Brewer. Brother Brewer was working in a hardware store as a young man. And customers would come into the store and they would ask for a certain kind of hammer. And if it was not carried in stock, he said he would try to remember so that he could tell the next customer who asked for it. And he soon realized that it was an impossibility to remember everything that the store did not carry in stock. So the solution was to learn what goods the store had in stock. And then if someone asked him for an item, he would know if it was part of the inventory. And Brother Brewer then made the same application to the teaching of the Bible. He said, it would be impossible to memorize and understand every false doctrine, everything not taught in the Bible, but you should try to learn all that the Bible did teach. And then it would be easier to recognize something that was not in the Bible and therefore not a part of revealed truth. Well, I'm going to have to go in just a minute, but I just wanted to wrap up, Brother Earl, by saying that Bible questions bring us nearer to the kingdom. Just finishing up here, verse 32, the scribe said unto him, Well, Master, thou hast said the truth, for there is one God, and there is none other but he, and to love him with all the heart, with all the understanding. And with all the soul, with all the strength, and to love his neighbor as himself is more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. So when he heard the Lord's answer, he was impressed, wasn't he? And he affirmed here that Jesus spoke the truth. He knew it was the truth. I think one reason why so many people are so far away from the kingdom of God today is because they don't know enough about the Bible to know when a scriptural answer is being given to a Bible question. But this man was a scribe and he was thoroughly acquainted with scripture and he realized that Jesus was speaking the truth and we need that kind of uh, of attitude today that people have the insight to recognize the truth when they hear it and then to obey it when they do hear it. And Jesus said in verse 34, and when Jesus saw that he answered discreetly, he said unto him, thou art not far from the kingdom of God and no man after that durst ask him any question. So here was somebody that had some spiritual depth about him. He put other people to shame. 
And this is the kind of people really we're looking for in OABS, isn't it? Uh, we're needing people with the attitude of this scribe. I taught people all over the world through OABS. All over the world. And uh, so many of them with such good attitudes have gone through and, and graduated. You know, and oh, I've really got to go, but I'll tell you this quick story. So, uh, because he was on my mind because I called him this week. There's a man named Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones was an OABS student. I had him for my Hebrews class. Okay. He graduated from OABS. I don't remember what year. When Jerry went to school with OABS, he was an elder for a congregation in Milan, Tennessee. And so he started OABS to increase his knowledge to help him as an elder. Came through, graduated. Guess what? Jerry decides, I want to preach the gospel. Then Jerry and his wife come to the Memphis School of Preaching. And guess what? I teach him again. <laughs> I taught him first with OABS. And now I'm teaching him at the Memphis School of Preaching. One led to another. And uh, this week I called him because he's going to be a panelist with me on a Bible answer next month. So we're, we're, we need to find, and, and, and we're trying to find, and we need to double our efforts up to find people like Jerry and other people who, who have the mind like this scribe, who want to learn, who ask good questions, and he'll, he'll serve the Lord in a wonderful capacity. And I'm blessed to be able to have the opportunity through OEBS, the Memphis School of Preaching, through Bible Answer, and through my local work, through our our, our local website at www.centralinseville.org. We have our own YouTube channel. My sermons go up and devotionals go up on that. I'm glad to have so many opportunities to reach people with the gospel of Christ. And uh, it's been my pleasure to be with you today on this podcast. And I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to be with you today. I definitely appreciate you and appreciate all the, appreciate all the work you, you've been doing and the work you continue to do. And like you said, you know, whether you're talking about OEBS or your Bible, or your Bible program as well, and local work included, all those things, we're always looking for those who are sincerely looking for answers to their Bible questions. Because every Bible question, like you said, deserves the Bible answer. You know, we're not interested in what I think or how I feels. We want the book chapter and verse that goes with that Bible and or goes with that Bible question. So we thank you for being here with us. We thank all of you for listening today to the Academy of Podcasts. We hope you'll join us again next time. We appreciate Brother McDaniel being here with us today.